Imagine revolutionizing healthcare with just one innovative idea. Sounds exciting, right? That's exactly what we are exploring today. I had the incredible opportunity to speak. The Hit Lab Fall 2022 Summit at Columbia University, where I joined two other speakers to discuss the future of healthcare innovation. As a healthcare entrepreneur or innovator, you are in a unique position to shape the lives of countless patients. In today's episode, I'll share with you my experience and insights from the summit. Lies. On the key factors that can help you navigate the complex world of healthcare, technology, and entrepreneurship. Welcome to Provider's Edge, the podcast that helps healthcare entrepreneurs and executives like you break down barriers and control your business, your life, and your future. With me, your host Sabrina Rumback, a recovered clinician and a business deal catalyst. Let's rewrite the rules and create a positive social impact while increasing your profitability. Today's meeting is going to be focused on several critical emerging components of digital health that have come about over the last three years with the unprecedented medical technology response to the COVID virus and how it's now precipitated into this new digital health reset. So. As the tree bends in the wind, sometimes it snaps and sometimes it sways back to center point. We've seen over the last year now this swaying back to a center point, not entirely, but somewhat. And we've seen the infrastructure for healthcare delivery at a very deep and very fundamental way being changed.、Uh, we saw it as a reaction in March of 20 and going through the rest of 20 and 21, and now we've seen it as a response. With new health plans providing virtual first technologies and services, with companies like Transcarent providing these sorts of、uh, using traditional MSA infrastructure, but now digitizing a lot of the delivery,、uh, where providers are being paid upfront and not have to fight for claims dollars. Now reinventing how healthcare delivery will look, not just today, but over the next ten years, and very much like what we saw. With managed care in 1990, where it was a small fraction of the U.S. healthcare system, by 2000 it was almost the entire healthcare system. We're seeing now this digital infrastructure being put into place very quietly, but nonetheless very massively to provide digital services, not just on healthcare delivery, but also clinical trials, decentralized clinical trials, which was a buzzword that came about with the pandemic, is now very much becoming more of. Something that life science companies, academic medical centers, CROs are investing in heavily, and we're seeing that go tr- grow tremendously as well. Remote patient monitoring, like what we see with Peter Nimi's company, Recovery Response, we're seeing now that the ability to rehab at home is very much、uh, an actualization, is very much reality, and so that kind of modeling that we're seeing build. Is something that won't happen overnight. So it's not a one-year revolution, but it is a revolution. It is something that over the next ten years, that sort of digitization of healthcare delivery and life sciences, a lot of what Patrick just talked about in his opening keynote, is being built, is happening, and we're seeing some of the seeds of that already come to fruition today. To talk more about that is our next panel with Sarah Chotsky and Juan Jimenez and Sabrina Runbeck. 
And they're going to be talking a little bit about another key theme of the meeting today, uh, which includes things like digital therapeutics, decentralized clinical trials, and other types of really important uh, issues that are rising in digital healthcare, but it also diversity, equity, and inclusion. As we've seen digitization grow in healthcare, starting with a lot of what happened in the dot-com 90s, we saw new efforts to embolden and to empower clinicians and providers around the world to bring patients digital technologies and allow them to improve outcomes, accessibility, and affordability through digital interventions. And part of what we're seeing now are those models being built where it empowers patients to empower themselves. And so we're going to hear a little bit about that now with Sarah and Juan and Sabrina. So please welcome uh, our next panel to talk about health equity and digital health. Thanks everyone for joining us today. And we'll just do a brief, a quick introduction. Sarah, would you like to start? Uh, sure. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Sarah Chakshi. I am the Director of Research here at HitLab. Um, I'm a public health sociologist by training, um, and but I've always worked in very applied settings, originally in focused on mental health services, and for almost 10 years now, exclusively in digital health. So excited to be here. Well, I'm Juan Jimenez, co-founder and CEO of AccuCardia. First of all, I want to thank HitLab for the invitation. I'm so happy to be back on campus. Uh, last time I was here was 14 years ago, so I'm so happy to be back today. We co-founded AccuCardia in a nutshell to save lives. Currently, there are different amazing devices, amazing information being generated by consumer, clinical, inpatient, outpatient devices, but that information is not properly analyzed or managed by the current workflows. And in AccuCardia, we have built the platform that is able to ingest device agnostic ECG signal coming from different devices and prepare in a way that is useful for physicians and clinicians and reimbursable by several payers. I'm Sabrina Rombach. My background is in cardiothoracic surgery as a PA. Uh, when I was really burned out working 80 hours per week, and I know one of the big issues in healthcare nowadays is staff turnover and we're losing providers and nurses left and right. So I went back to my root in neuroscience and public health and really thinking about how do we optimize the way that we deliver care? How do we engage with our staff so they're not leaving us? And how do we use technology to better bridge the gap? And now as a director of people and clinical outcome for MRG Health, uh, that's our focus to reduce staff work uh, struggles and then uh, improve patient satisfaction. And on the back end, we can actually increase profitability for our providers. So one of the definitely thing that's close to me is access to care. Uh, we know on average, clinicians are seeing about 25 patients a day. So if you think about an eight-hour workday, that's less than 15 minutes per patient. And no wonder anybody who go to sub subspecialty and primary care physicians, no waiting for weeks to be seen. And how would that impact us as individuals, seeing our family have to wait for care? And so that's one thing I would love for you guys to discuss. While we're using digital technology, what are you seeing as a truly barrier to those access to care issues? First of all, I believe that technology is the only way to be able to alleviate the access of care in America. There are 15 million Americans living in medically underserved areas and 99 million, close to 30% of the population 
living in, in healthcare worker shortage areas. So by recruiting more uh, clinicians or doctors by itself is not going to solve the problem. So first of all, I believe that clinical workflows and standard of care need to include digital health solutions being developed by traditional healthcare companies, pharma companies, but also early stage companies like ours. I believe that that is essential to be able to provide information that doesn't add more burden for clinicians, but help them in their overall care of patients. Digital health solutions are critical for alleviating the access to care problem, but integrating digital health solutions into traditional healthcare system. Clinical workflows and standard of healthcare providers can improve patient outcomes, accessibility, and affordability. This can achieve through remote patient monitoring, telemedicine, and decentralized clinical trials, which have gained traction during the COVID-19 pandemic. Quick announcement before moving forward. If you are a healthcare entrepreneur or startup founder looking to accelerate your social mission and increase profitability in an authentic way, don't hesitate to reach out to me where we can have a discussion on how our 12 highly skilled expert board of advisors can become your full fractional board instantly to help you accelerate to the next level without you spending hundreds of hours to find the right one for you or losing billions of stocks to get the highest, most cohesively evaluated team to help you make your innovation become the most profitable and impactful solution in the healthcare space. Yeah, I mean, just to piggyback on what you said, Juan, I think burden is the key issue. And I think it's a key issue as, you know, thankfully we're talking about a lot now, and I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about that today and for the next three days about burden and burnout and reducing clinician burnout. But, you know, patients are burned out too, even if they are nearby logistically a care provider, even if they can get an appointment. You know, that's not necessarily even the last mile. Someone with a chronic condition has to attend to their health a lot and sort of need to be seen a lot. How can we make it easier to be a patient? How can we, you know, keep them at home as much as possible? And I think that's what I love about uh, Acucardia and the possibility that we have with something like Acubeat is, you know, it's one of the solutions that lets us start to think very realistically, how can we keep patients at home where they're comfortable and not sort of pile on you know, the burden that is sometimes, you know, being a patient with a chronic disease. Exactly. And I think that's why like, I run a podcast show for the past two and a half years. And then the big thing to highlight is what are the innovations? How are we celebrating medicine nowadays instead of figuring out or trying to put a negative spin on what are we not doing right? And so that also come into how are we using clinical trials and really be able to leverage wearables such as AQB to help our cardiac patients as part of my natural and background. So Juan, would you like to expand? Sure. Let me let me give some background on AQBeat. AQBeat is one of our platforms for AQ Cardiac platform to perform 
clinical analysis on short-term electrocardiogram tracings uh, coming from clinical devices such as event monitor, a halter, or even a consumer wearable device such as the Apple Watch, Fitbit, and Samsung Watch. We believe that besides designing clinical, stu clinical studies and trials with um, diversity and inclusion in its design, bringing different population for background, gender, identity, as well as ethnic background and socioeconomical background as well, that is good by itself. But given that there are certain groups in society that have less, less flexibility in the work schedules, that we need to bring clinical solutions that be able to, to get that information needed from a trial at home or at work. So we reduce the burden of, of participants going to sites for multiple testing and multiple interviews and reducing the compliance rate. So uh, AccuBeat, we have, we have proposing using AccuBeat to perform QT and QTC monitor monitoring is very important for many clinical um, trials, but nowadays in, in the new era of the immune therapy drugs, we need to monitor that not only in the trial, but also post-administering those drugs. And AccuBeat provides that, help using the consumer device and providing automated analysis on, on that information and be able to provide that in a way to a physician that doesn't add more burden to their own workflows. Sarah? Yeah, and, you know, just to build on that from a research perspective, um, the reason I think I'm up here is because we, you know, HitLab and Acucardia worked together recently on a study of AccuBeat. And I think the other piece that is important to kind of recognize is, you know, the study that we did was the first in what will, you know, be a series leading up to a, you know, more super robust clinical trial. But these studies offer us the opportunity to look at how these devices are used in real life with real people. You know, in this case, it was our, our first stab. So we're using an Apple Watch to collect the data to, you know, see, all right, does this work how we think it's going to work? And, you know, amen, it did. But it also gave us a chance um, as researchers to look at I think often what can be overlooked, but it's going to be really important to that last mile is like, well, what's it like for that patient to put the watch on for themselves? And do they understand how it needs to be placed? What, what, you know, how are they being onboarded to the technology? You know, I think more and more we have the technology to do what we want to do. That's not the problem. It's really hammering out what does this look like for somebody who, you know, isn't super savvy with technology, who's very busy, um, doesn't have a lot of flexibility in their life to, you know, attend to their data collection two hours a day, those sorts of things. So it was a great opportunity, I think, to do what I think is some of the most important last mile work, which is, you know, what does this look like for, for patients and for clinicians who might not be used to incorporating, you know, technology into their practice in such a way quite yet? Exactly. I think that being said, it leads to a good point of if we're creating devices just for our own knowledge, or is it really for a patient? Because if we're creating something that the patient don't know how to use, or they won't use at all, then it's pointless. And we also know nowadays there are a lot of devices out on the market. Perhaps one person who has a blood pressure cuff at home have an iWatch for their monitoring EEG, and other people have sleep apnea. Each of them have a different app and they don't communicate with each other. So it can be very challenging for our patient population at the same time. And so that being said, I think a big movement is all about how do we take care of the patient the best way we can. And most of these is 
because we know by study, 50% of the elderly population have AFib undetected. And for the arrhythmia issues with QT prolongation, that has a lot of drug interactions mm -hmm. and then cause people to go into the hospital using emergency room. And so when we consider in population health and adaptability, how can we really be able to create these wearable devices or technology that are affordable and at the same time, easy for people to use? So I'd like to, in, in terms of, interconnectivity, easy to integrate, innovators and new technologies need to be assess the current workflows and create a product that integrates with the status quo. Creating devices that are patient-centered is crucial for the success of digital health. Many patients struggle with using multiple devices and apps which can create additional burden and stress. It's important for innovators to develop products that can easily integrate with existing workflows and systems to avoid creating additional work for patients, clinicians, and payers. Diversity and inclusion in digital health are essential. By designing clinical studies and trials that represent different populations, backgrounds, gender identity, and socioeconomic backgrounds, researchers can ensure that digital health solutions are truly beneficial for all. Just like AcuCardia is an example of a company that is committed to diversity and inclusion with 99% of its team coming from underrepresented groups. Now don't miss our episode. Subscribe to our podcast today on your favorite podcast platform to get the latest insights and actionable tips from our guest speakers. Together, let's rewrite the rules for your business and create a positive social impact in the healthcare industry. Now let's get back to the rest of our show. And in AcuCardia, what they have done is we have built an API-based product in which our product can be interconnected with different remote patient monitoring software currently available. It can interact with the EHR system. It can interact with different software used by different practice and clinics. So that way we can help and avoid one situation that you mentioned that adding more, more products that, that create more burden for both patients, clinicians, and payers. And in terms of, um, of, of, of one point that, I, that I'd like to add as well is regarding diversity and inclusion from the get-go that I forgot to mention in the, in the previous statement. It is that as Acucardia being a diverse company from the get-go, 99% of our team is come from uh, underrepresented groups in the nation. In the clinic, first clinical study, building clinical validation, we wanted to design the study with the help of HitLab and the SUNY Downstate team that represented those groups that we want to target. So that's something that also we, we wanted to highlight as part of the study. I think uh, it was really great to partner with SUNY Downstate for this because of where it's located and because of the team, we had the opportunity to put action where it was. I mean, it's wonderful to hear more and more people who are building devices, people who are building 
systems to think about diversity and inclusion. But this was this was action. It was we were really able to recruit a really diverse sample and and feel like we were, you know, being very representative when we're saying, you know, we're we're in the right direction. So yeah, that's that's great. I'm thankful for that because that's not it's hard it's hard to do alone, but to have a multiple teams who are dedicated and and committed to doing that. Yeah, made it great. Yeah. I appreciate you for being here and then to talk about this big topic and definitely would not be able to really discuss in detail in 15 minutes and then definitely a longer conversation to go. I appreciate you guys for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Sabrina. The Healthcare Reset has the potential to revolutionize healthcare delivery and improve patient outcomes. By focusing on access to care, leveraging wearable devices and decentralized clinical trials, and emphasizing interconnective and diversity in digital health, the industry can continue to innovate and adapt to the changing needs of patients and healthcare providers. Here are the quick summary of the five major points we discussed. Number one, appreciating the impact of COVID-19 in unlocking digital health's potential for accessibility. The COVID-19 pandemic has underscored the need for accessible healthcare solutions that can easily deploy in the face of adversity. As healthcare systems around the world struggle to cope with the surge in demand, telemedicine and remote monitoring emerged as vital tools to manage the crisis. With patients and healthcare professionals adapting these digital health solutions, the potential for a more accessible future in healthcare becomes abundantly clear. Number two, discovering how technological advances lessen the load on patients and healthcare professionals. In addition to increased accessibility, the advanced in technology have also been instrumental in easing the burden on both patient and healthcare professionals. From AI-powered diagnostics to wearable health devices, these cutting-edge solutions have made it possible to deliver more efficient and effective care. Number three, realizing the importance of engaging and empowering patients for better health outcomes. The shifts toward patient-centered care has gained significant momentum in recent years, with an increased emphasis in empowering patients to take charge of their health. By engaging and involving patients in their care journey, healthcare providers can promote more favorable outcomes and fostering a sense of ownership over one's well-being. Number four, recognizing the need for diversity and inclusion in clinical trial design. One of the most pressing challenges in healthcare today is the lack of diversity and inclusion in clinical trial design. This shortcoming has resulted in a knowledge gap with underrepresented population often being overlooked when it comes to developing and testing new treatments. Number five, fostering collaboration and innovation for positive changes in healthcare delivery. Finally, it's essential to recognize 
that the future of healthcare lies in collaboration and innovation. By breaking down silos and fostering partnership across disciplines, industries, and geographical boundaries, you can unlock new opportunities for growth and development. Thank you for tuning in to Provider's Edge. We hope you found our latest episode insightful and valuable for your healthcare business. We would love to hear your feedback on the show and connect with you on LinkedIn. As a token of our appreciation, we offer a unique opportunity. Write a recommendation about our show on LinkedIn under Sabrina Rombach's profile, and we will give you a free media feature on one of our podcasts or TV show. During this exclusive interview, you'll have the chance to ask any questions and gain visibility and credibility with influential partners to accelerate your mission and profitability. So don't hesitate. Connect with Sabrina on LinkedIn, leave a recommendation about our show, and help us tailor our content while seizing this fantastic opportunity to elevate your healthcare business. We can't wait to hear from you.